Hey out there, you're listening to the Drink 5 Network, and tonight it is the Retro Spectacle Podcast episode 14 on Modern Conspiracy Theories. I love picking the intro music. Oh, that's a good one. It, it, it feels so much better when it fits. <laughs> I got Mystery Train lined up. We can listen to that later. Two different songs named called Mystery Train. Well, I look forward to it. I think you do a pretty good job of picking out the music. Uh, my name's Dave. Across from me is Jason. We are your hosts for the evening of the Retro Spectacle Podcast. Like I said, uh, tonight is all about modern conspiracy theories. We're going to touch on some uh, some older ones, some weirder ones, uh, but the main discussion is going to be on things that happened more in the past you know, 20 years than uh, stuff from the 1800s or 1930 or John F. Kennedy or whatever. Uh, but there is a lot of meat on those on those bones, right? You know, sure. on conspiracy stories. There's a lot of fun stuff to discuss. Conspiracy nuts, even some conspiracies that ended up becoming true. Well, the best ones, and I think the ones that you've like, one of the ones that you've picked are the ones that are about a, a mystery, right? It's not about things that people have no idea what happened. Nobody has an answer for it. Yeah, it works both ways. You know, like the Kennedy assassination, like, there's an explanation, there's an official explanation for what happened. Well, there's an official explanation for everything, including the one that you're about to talk about, which is Malaysia Airlines. Uh, There's an official explanation for that one, too. They crashed in the Indian Ocean, and now they're gone. That's the official explanation from Malaysian Airlines? Yep. Oh, okay. Which makes the most sense, perhaps. Okay, well, if they videotaped it, like the Kennedy assassination, then... You see, uh, back and to the right. We would know a little bit more about it, uh-huh. I guess is all I'm saying. True. So, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories out there, and there have been for a very long time. Uh, I think it's it's important, almost, that they exist, because what, what does that say? What does a conspiracy theory say about the people that are behind one, right? It, it says that they have an opinion, that they're thinking, that they're problem-solving, that they're using their skills, whether they be good or, or bad or for something or against something. Um, they're using their minds to try to figure out a situation that doesn't make sense to them otherwise. So I think it's a, a good sign of life, you know, for our society and the world in general. That means there's a pulse. That there actually are <laughs> all these different opinions about everything. Um, we've talked about this before. If everyone agreed with, with everybody's thoughts, then we would just have such a stupid existence. Sure, it would be pretty boring. I definitely would agree with that. I don't want to, you know, I don't want everything to be the same. Well, no, and it can't be here, and then this proves it. Uh, so I wanted to start off, and maybe you can give me some uh, some musical uh, background here or something, with the top five uh, most eerie conspiracy theories. Eerie. Eerie theory. In the vicinity of an area adjacent to a location, the kind of place where there might be a monster or some kind of weird mirror. These are just examples. It could also be something much better. Prepare to enter the scary door. That's great. 
so uh, one of the ones that I wanted to bring up first was lizard people. And if people hadn't heard this, the reptilians, you know, the, the, the fact that there are living among us some people that are actually lizards that have either come from space or uh, were originally living here long before uh, and moved down underneath the earth and now have come up uh, masquerading as humans but are actually still these lizard people, these reptilians, that are taking positions in uh, political government all around us and even as celebrities and other influential people in society, and they are uh, going to control us. So Barack Obama is one. Okay. Um, uh, the, the Queen of England is one. Is Dennis Rodman one? I would say yes, although it seems like his mask is peeling off a little bit. Yeah. We get to see the, the, the underbelly. Dennis Rodman. Uh, well, if he's one, then obviously Kim Jong-un is one, right? George W. Bush and Queen Elizabeth II are. Well, do you have a list of, of people that are reptilians over there? Um, Not a list, per se. <clears throat> but apparently uh, Louis C.K. Um, asked uh, Donald Rumsfeld about lizard people several times. <laughs> you know, th- there are a lot of people that believe this theory, even some that were actually were high-profile individuals. For example, there is a uh, BBC sports presenter who quit his job to try to convince people that George Bush is actually a reptile. Okay. Option, placing a tracking microchip under a this is Brian Todd. Skin. Former U.S. Special Operations officers tell us they believe that's being developed. Current military officials won't comment on that, Wolf. Yeah, what about the cost, Brian? Uh, is that at all a consideration? It's a big consideration. Just about every former officer I spoke with says the cost of outfitting each combat troop with a tracking device, each combat troop with a tracking device, is one of the main reasons they don't have them right now. So when you speak uh, with the various special operations... T- Did you hear that? He just turned into a reptile. Wow. <laughs> right on CNN with Wolf Blitzer. It's pretty insane. So <laughs> so this obviously is one of the, the kind of weirdest, like, like creepy kind of get, get down to, to, uh, to the bones sort of uh, conspiracy theories because you're talking about people that are not actually people even though they look like they are people. Right. Have you uh, any, any sort of shred of, uh, of belief in this particular theory? I watch a lot of Doctor Who. <laughs> I suppose it could be real. It was a Doctor Who, right? There's no way, like, I don't know. There, there aren't many things that are kept hidden very well. So I'm pretty sure that if there were lizard people, like, you'd find a dead lizard laying around that was enormous, you know? <laughs> it, like, they, they can't just cover up everything. Well, I disagree. I think people have a, or do a pretty good job of covering things up sometimes. However, I don't believe in this one. I think <laughs> I, I think it's pretty crazy. And and you people that believe in it, you are insane. I'm sorry. Uh, another one is the 9-11 cover-up. So uh, I think this is a really creepy one. Because this links to our NFL story. It does it? Yes. Because if if this would be correct, you know, it would basically mean that uh, the United States government itself enacted, uh, like, uh, a form of terrorism on its own soil in order to to get some kind of a, a specific reaction out of its people. Now, I don't believe this is the case, um, but if if we think that it is a controlled demolition that brought down the Twin Towers instead of something that happened because of 
the effect jet of fuel a, can't melt steel, Dave, of a plane crashing into <laughs> a tower. And and there were so many things out there for so many years. In fact, there still are these these groups of people who call themselves nine eleven truthers um, and uh, the truth and, and all these websites and these groups. Uh, that have even formed like campgrounds and and like it's kind of scary, isn't it? Well, you know, one of the people that the nine eleven truthers look up to is Pete Carroll. Well, and Charlie Sheen and Jesse Ventura. <laughs> well, w- one of those people is slightly more credible than the others. What a shining group of uh, examples <laughs> there. Which one is more credible, Jesse Ventura? Well, he was the governor for four years, so I I think that he's a smart guy, but it doesn't mean that you're if you're not. Even if you're smart, you can't like go down the wrong path of craziness. Do you think there's a chance that one out of those three guys also believes in lizard people? Yeah, I think there's a pretty good chance that Charlie <laughs> Charlie Shane believes in all of these sorts of conspiracies. <laughs> all right, moving on to the Denver airport. Have you heard about this one before? I think I yes, I have heard a few things about the Denver airport. Okay, so uh, refresh my memory. Built in 1995. Uh, Denver already had an airport, and the new airport had less runways than the old one, and it didn't have anything new about it. You know, it was it was just sort of all the same technology. They didn't need a new airport or anything? They didn't need a new airport. But there was a whole bunch of space that it occupied, a whole lot of space that it was built on. Um, and the conspiracy theorists, theorists believe that all of the spot... The reason that they built it there in the first place... And it built it sort of immediately and without a whole lot of uh, discussion among the citizens or, uh, you know, people of Denver. Um, okay. And reptiles of Denver, obviously. Right. you got to take them into account. They're voting reptiles. Yeah. Um, is that there was some kind of big military uh, facility underneath, which would be used to, uh, like bring people to a safe area if there was an Armageddon or nuclear strike or some kind of attack. Okay. So the weird things about it are... It is in the middle of nowhere. Yes. And the weird things about it, too, are there's all these, these, these pictures inside of the Denver airport of just weird... Like scenes of like death with guns and knives and people like dying and explosions, and it doesn't really make any sense. Why, why would they make, paint that in the center inside the airport? Why would that be in the airport? It makes no sense, right? Exactly. Uh, and it went like about three billion dollars over budget. Three billion dollars over budget, which doesn't make a lot of sense either, because I don't know of a project that's ever gone that much over budget. Well, I mean, it depends on what the budget was originally, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, well, regardless, no matter what you think about this story, the paintings inside this airport are absolutely insane, and I can't believe that they're in there, and it makes no sense that they would be in a, like a public airport. Yeah. So I encourage everyone to look it up just because it's a little crazy. I don't necessarily believe that underneath lies a, a secure bunker or a bunch of aliens or pathway to another world or whatever. But I do think it's a really weird airport built for a weird reason with weird things in it. I think that much is self-evident here. Is this a popular conspiracy theory? Uh, I hadn't heard of it until I was doing the research for this show. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, you know, <clears throat> do you suppose that there is uh, something underneath there? Do you, I think that that sounds at least more believable, certainly more believable than everything else that 
we've talked about tonight. Well, so far, this is a plausible theory. Uh, I, I do agree with that. However, I don't think it is one that is true, but just because something someone builds something, you know, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that we get to know about it. Yeah. Uh, but if there really were, like, a giant underground facility, then it would make sense that people would have seen, like, an inordinate amount of construction crews or people disappearing that didn't come back for a long time or, uh, you know, rumbling in the mountains or something, right? It wouldn't just be weird pictures. <laughs> yeah. Although, I guess, I guess if you can spend that much money to do something that crazy, you can probably uh, mask some building equipment or soundproof, uh, you know, a big expanse. Yeah. So, uh, next there's area 51 and most people are familiar with this one. Um, this is something that is basically been around as far back as, uh, what was it like, uh, 1947, because that's when the Roswell incident occurred where there was supposedly some kind of crash in uh, in Nevada and then there were all these stories that happened afterwards, all these sightings, all these weird, unexplained activities. And people think that this old military installation or airbase um, housed actual aliens or still continues to and did work on them, um, you know, whatever it is that they did. Now, the government has since revealed that there were many uh, military ins installations that had all sorts of UFOs and things like that that were, you know, like manned and unmanned aircraft that they were experimenting with. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these things can be explained. Um, certainly not. And it's not like they would come forward and be like, no, 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 guys, it wasn't a UFO. Like, it's much easier just to let a few people like act a little kooky than it is to actually explain what they're doing. Yeah, if there was something crazy that happened that was all classified, they they wouldn't have wanted to reveal it to the public anyway. Rather, they think that it's a bunch of aliens because they're not going to act on it. They're just going to be weird and fringe. Uh -huh. uh, then there's the New World Order, which is a very, very popular conspiracy theory which stretches back a long time as well. You can look at things like uh, you know the the pyramid and and shapes and and designs that were on that are on U.S. currency um, and other nations' currencies. Uh, you can look at um, a lot of different uh, political and uh, and laws uh, upon society, anti-terrorist laws, etc. That people think are constricting society so that there can be some kind of uh, new regime that rises up and takes over. Everything. Sure, you know, I suppose I got a little bit into that when we were doing the show about the uh, safety and, like, security on the Internet. Yeah. We were talking about being monitored and, like, having that all essentially be, like, sort of part of a bigger plan, maybe. Right, because whenever you, you look uh, from a distance and see that there are, like, a multitude of things being done at the same time or, uh, you know, just subsequently that all have a similar effect or, or tend to push uh, people in one direction, then you think that, that it must not just be a coincidence that it's happening. It must be for some greater purpose. Sure, and that's essentially what a conspiracy is. People come together and plan to do things generally for nefarious purposes. But of course, you know, I like what Joe Rogan has to say about like 9-11. He's like, of course it was a conspiracy. 19 guys got together and figured out what they were doing. So. He's, he's a big conspiracy guy too. Yeah, he yeah he likes to talk about all kinds of cool ones. And yeah, based on that definition, you're entering a realm which is unusual. Maybe it's magic. It contains some kind of monster. The second one, 
prepared to enter the scary door. <laughs> I believe we just did that one. No, it's, it's different. Oh, it's every single time there's a little bit different. Like what he says intro. at the beginning is different. Yeah. So what is that from? Futurama. That's from Simpsons? Futurama. Oh, I gotta yeah, go that's back absolutely and watch that. uh, Maurice Lamarche reading that to me. I gotta go back and watch that episode. So let's talk about Malaysia Airlines uh, Flight MH370. So this is on uh, March 8th, 2014. And this is only last year. And not I can't very, believe this was 16 months ago. Well, because we still remember, for example, uh, talking about the possibilities of what could have happened. Uh, the internet was largely involved in this. And that it's the, the biggest thing that has happened that was so mysterious and weird and people uh, got involved from it in the past on the like, ground floor essentially a couple years yeah so i remember being on reddit like in the afternoon and evening and seeing that there was posts about how a flight had been uh off of radar for well, let's, three let's talk hours, about details real quickly so uh flight 370 left march 8th 2014 from kuala lumpur for Beijing, and then a couple hours later, it disappeared from air traffic control radar. Then it reappeared on military radar screens, and then it fell out of contact altogether um, in the sea, a little bit northwest of Malaysia, west of Thailand. So, uh, on like a flight path um, that maybe it could have been on. I, I don't know. Um, but not lot- the flight path it was originally supposed to be on. Right. And so people searched everywhere. Um, all over the place, all the way to Australia, in fact. And it became this big, huge, popular topic on the Internet. So you're talking about uh, on Reddit. You and I were probably working the next day, and um, we were both on, like, following these discussions. And that's what I'm talking about people nowadays, like after the Boston bombing, for example, Mm -hmm. um, especially on Reddit. Reddit, like, actually... uh, grabbed some people that it thought perhaps could have been involved and then it ended up like bad things happening to them and their families because of it. Um, regardless of that, I'm not taking anything away from the fact that, you know, a lot of people on something isn't a bad thing. Uh, but there were lots of, of different theories immediately. Uh, and, and lots of, uh, people that knew stuff, right? Like lots of people that were like, uh, airline pilots or air traffic control center right personnel. people who know how all of this equipment works yeah people who can give uh, an insight and explain it very easily uh, so everyone can under- can sort of catch up and understand you know a lot more about what these planes are capable of so we know that there has been no physical evidence of the the Boeing 777 found at all and that the official stance is that all the passengers are dead which and the- is a gigantic Gigantic plane. And the plane crashed into the Indian Ocean. Yes, it's a huge one. I don't know if I've been on a 777 or not. I, I, I work next to O'Hare, so I see them. Yeah. And I don't know. They just, it doesn't look like it should be flying. <laughs> it just looks comically large, like a child drew an oversized airplane. So let's talk about some of the possibilities that could have happened. One uh, is the cockpit fire. Uh, and this comes from a pilot, Chris Goodfellow. Uh, he actually says that the fire in the cockpit led the captain to turn to the west uh, to try to go to an, an, an airstrip that was nearby. And then because there was a loss of communication on the recordings, uh, because they do have some recordings uh, from the from the airline, etc., that were saved from air traffic control, uh-huh. um, that could make sense if there was an electrical fire. And maybe the crew was, was trying to fly the plane because they were crashing or uh, manual control wasn't working, etc. 
Um, and then he thinks maybe the pilots could have passed out or they could have, uh, you know, the smoke could have made them pass out yeah. with the plane flying, just flying forever because it could have been on autopilot or it could have been set correctly for uh, however long it takes for that particular plane to uh, either run out of gas or... Right, to just kind of say, you know, hold at this altitude, at this, you know, bearing. Yeah. And that's just go. So we don't know, um, unless every single person on the, the plane, well, I shouldn't say that, unless all of the, the people in the cockpit were to have passed away suddenly, right? Yeah. Then there's no reason why they couldn't have resumed uh, communication unless the plane wasn't there anymore, like physically not there, for example, or if the systems were damaged, like they just didn't work or they were sabotaged. What do you think about this particular theory? You know, uh, a few of the things I had read at the time about, like, uh, the oxygen, uh, like, breaking and everyone just kind of suffocating uh-huh. pretty quickly and then just it flying forever as a ghost plane. Stuff like that sounded like it made a lot of sense. But, um, I, you know, the Indian Ocean is a really big place. But I, I got to assume that over the course of, you know, this long that they would have found debris. And the lack of debris is... What makes this so crazy? Now, when we were talking about this, I researched another uh, kind of similar event where a plane flying from uh, Brazil to France had gone down over uh, the Atlantic Ocean. And that plane, they didn't really find... They found a couple of pieces of debris, which they haven't found here, but it was like the whole plane was missing in this case for two years. And then they finally found the plane two years later. And we haven't gotten that far yet. Well, like you said, it's a big ocean, and it could right. have possibly... you know, And that plum- was in a much smaller piece of ocean. It could have plummeted all the way to the bottom and not actually like uh, had parts of it go back up if it wasn't like a hard surface that it crashed into, if the water had slowed it down. You know, there, there might be a possibility of it being somewhere um, that is going to be really difficult for anything to actually uh, surface. Um, but like you said, we do have I mean, to give it time. Is it going to go straight? Straight down into the water, so that it can just go straight in, and it—I have no idea. Because I mean, you know, when it breaks I up and there's debris, you can see things over a much larger area. Yeah, and and you're saying that if a plane, if a plane like that is going to hit the the water, it's going to hit water with such force that it breaks apart on the surface of the water. Yeah, it's not going to go all in in one piece and then rest at the bottom. I, I understand what you're saying. Um, it's not like they just set it down lightly and then cruised slowly into the, the water. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Russian special ops took it as another possibility. So there's an article in New York Magazine that says that there could have been people that broke into the electronics and equipments bay, accessed through the first class cabin, uh, pulled the plane's electronics apart, faked satellite data, and then the plane could have gone somewhere else. And the plane could have gone somewhere where they could hide it and then basically they could just repaint it or or do whatever, and then now it's just a uh, a plane that they have that's off the radar entirely, not marked right. by anything. You got to think that they would have used it by now, you know. Again, it's only been a year, so I, I don't I don't know that that is the case. Well, I mean, it's not like you know something like that requires a lot of maintenance just to make sure that you can uh, fly it reliably again. So I would think that they would end up using it pretty soon after. Well, I have no idea that, but that is another thing that you can't really, 
you can't really refute because of all the research that goes into the possible uh, way to it's do it. It's certainly possible, though. You could go in and do all the things that I mentioned. That's possible. It's been researched by people. Uh, faked flight plan. So there is a possibility that maybe someone hijacked the plane and kept the location concealed by faking a flight plan from an airport that was not controlled. So this is an air traffic control tower or some system that is accessing this network um, that is able to like actually modify the flight plan that people see on the other towers. Um, then they could pretend to be something else. And then perhaps they could go somewhere else. It might not be Russia, might be you know the United States, could be Malaysia, could be anybody. Mm-hmm. The problem is you have 300 people. So... Where did these three hundred people go that were on the plane? Did they all just get executed and like put in a cabin? Like the, the yeah, I mean, it's impossible, right? Because you can't get rid of that many people. We saw we saw on uh, Sherlock they had a plane full of corpses to fake as you know all these people died. Yeah, but uh, I mean, obviously there's family members that have lost people in the flight, so. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a cool, you know, something happened to people, to real people. It, I don't, you know. Well, Sherlock is a TV show. Of course. Yes, this is like, show. this is like 200. I didn't mean to imply that it was real life. However many people that, that were on the plane, I think it was less than 300, more than 250. It was uh, 250, they, 237. Okay, 237. So those people, they they all have either passed away mind. or something crazy has happened to them. There's another possibility. U.S. military shot it down. There is a uh, uh, possibility, there, there is a U.S. military base that is in the middle of the Indian Ocean. Um, it's possible that maybe, like, the plane... Uh, I know that originally when this, this whole thing came about, we, we learned a whole lot about the, about the pilots, right? And that there could be some possible connection to uh, terrorism or, or some kind of weirdness there. And so there's a possibility that maybe it was shot down by the U.S. military, and then, like, the U.S. military just wanted to keep it secret, so they decided to wipe out all traces of the plane. Right. Which, you know, pretty nefarious. Probably could be pulled off, but... (laughs) Especially if you're in the middle of the ocean and you have access to, like, wipe everybody else's radar access. It's a possibility, but not... Not the most probable know. one. I gotta think that like China can do a whole lot of stuff that if they actually had proof that the United States did that it would be like, hey, you know, you killed 150 of our countrymen. Yeah, it wouldn't work out. You know, very that's well the for sinking China. of the Lusitania right there. Yeah. Uh, another possibility: it's in Pakistan. Uh, Rupert Murdoch said that perhaps it was part of a jihadist plot to make trouble for China. And make that... trouble for China. <laughs> Is that your Rupert Murdoch? Oh no, I didn't do an accent. <laughs> I just like the the I just like that quote. Okay, and and the fight could possibly have landed in northern Pakistan, like Bin Laden. Like Bin Laden. So anyway, what 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 <laughs> Rupert Mur- Murdoch is is hypothesizing is that perhaps um, the the plane was taken by by Pakistan uh, by terrorists or some kind of organization um, over there, and that they would just sort of stow it. And get it ready for another terrorist attack somewhere else. And uh, I don't, I don't know that this particular plane would be the best kind of way for them to enact their future plans. It doesn't seem like it would make a whole Being lot of sense. Being that it's like a super jumbo jet, like they should have taken something a little easier. 
<laughs> I mean, look, you can do a lot uh, on a large scale with a jumbo jet. But again, you know, I got to think that, you know, we had 14 years ago, uh, the whole idea of hijacking a plane and using it as a weapon was entered into everyone's minds. And there hasn't been an instance of that since. And, you know, is the next time they're going to try it 14 years later and it's going to work absolutely perfectly? Well, there were instances of it before, and it's not been that long since, uh, since you know, that attack. Yeah, but, I mean, you got to think that if that was something that people were going to try on a regular basis... Well, we I agree with you, now. but the reason it's not tried is because, right, because... We uh, figured out how to kind of keep Because we know where everything that. is, and, and if it's heading towards something that it's not supposed to, then suddenly you have F... 16s flying on something alongside of you. Sure, I it, mean it's a little bit, uh, you know, it doesn't work unless you're going to be like a suicide person, and and most of those people that are doing crazy stuff, as crazy as they are, they don't want to commit suicide. And they, die they, for their yeah, cause. they don't know how to fly a plane. That's complicated shit. Well, and flying a plane, but <laughs> but I, I I don't think it's that complicated. I'll be honest with you. I, I know a lot of people I grew up with that are pilots now. Um, and a lot of them even say, you know, that uh, in a, without going into all the details, if you were to fly like a modern day Microsoft Flight Simulator, for example, it contains all of the instruments and tables that the actual plane does. Oh, cool. So you could actually learn how to fly a plane from not actually stepping foot into a plane. Cool. Now, that said, you and I That's both That's like know, learning how to drive from Gran Turismo. I bet there's some pretty good, good drivers out there. Gran Turismo is supposed to be pretty. Uh, I mean, it's a very realistic, realistic you know, uh, simulation. Yeah. Well, especially if you get like you know the the thing with the wheel and the and the pedals, right? Then it's basically doing the, exactly what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, at that point, it's almost sitting in a computer is probably a lot like being in a cockpit right now. Yeah, uh, and then there's supernatural forces, which is a possibility. It's always <laughs> a possibility, Dave. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, it could be aliens. I think there was a drinking game one day. It could be. Drink for that. It could be a wormhole that sent it back in time. Um, maybe a, a black hole that that appeared and and disappeared, eating the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta tell you, I I think supernatural things like this exist. And when we say supernatural, uh, I don't necessarily mean aliens or wormholes or black holes. Just because sort those of unexplainable things. No, because those things are explainable. Those are scientific things. Aliens and wormholes and black holes. I think they are. I well, I mean, yes, aliens we are. Haven't, scientifically we haven't, speaking, a being from another planet. We haven't like, met aliens yet, but we right. what we can explain aliens, wormholes, and black holes based on science. So by saying they're supernatural things, I, I sort of disagree with that like premise. Okay, right? Because You're disagreeing with yourself there could right be now. there could be. No, no, no. I'm, what I'm saying is it, it could be explainable by science in one of these crazy ways that crazy things have happened in the past and, and will happen in the future. Uh, or maybe it was hit by a meteor. And just vaporized. Uh, it'd be a pretty big meteor. Hey, man, I know that meteors can vaporize. Yeah. It's happened before. So It's happened in Russia several times. Why does it always happen in Russia? Russia's so big. Russia's I guess. a pretty big place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Odds are, if something's happening, it's going to happen in Russia. Either Russia or Florida, based on the news. <laughs> it's always a Florida man. Or a Russian man. <laughs> Russian man invades Ukraine. Florida and Russia. <laughs> Florida man invades Georgia on his lawnmower. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, so, what do you think happened? What, what is the most 
plausible explanation for you. Do you believe in any of these? Do you think that it's something else? Uh, do you think that perhaps it just is crashed in the Indian Ocean? I'm going to sound like a terrible person, but I kind of want something other than it just crashed into the ocean to be the answer. That seems like the most harmless, easiest to accept answer, and the most likely one. But I almost, I kind of want it to just be like something crazy. Well, I, to be honest with you, all the research, any, any of this stuff other than that is kind of nutty. All the research put into all of these things, even though their their likelihood of, of of being pulled off are not very high, they're all possible. Sure. And I I kind of agree with you that the payoff now is very good, like. Four years from now, five years from now, right? It's 2020, and like crazy. I'm sure I'll read a book about this at some point. And then on the news, like you hear about Malaysian flight, whatever, you're gonna jump out of your seat. You're gonna be like, "What happened?" I know your kids are gonna be like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> like you don't understand. Shut up. I'll tell you all about it. But yeah, I mean, well, that would be 20 years from now. That'd be a generational thing. So, like I said, I want you want something crazy to happen. Well, something crazy. Happened, here's but the I possibility: think it crashed. Into the ocean, and it's just such a big effing ocean that uh, you know they because have no idea. that's that's like Occam's razor. That's the most logical, plausible explanation. So yeah, the most simple. So it must be true. Is right? probably the right one. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? Well, I I personally uh, tend to think that I I tend to think that the the theories about like uh, the oxygen being low in the plane and everybody passing out or there being a fire or some kind of electrical damage or something that that killed like the pilots and that there was just no communication and it just dropped into the ocean um now i don't know where obviously well they know that it flew for a long time before it crashed yeah so i don't know out of fuel essentially the weird thing is uh you should know where it is Based on where it was and where it would run out of gas. Well, they could they they, so, they were able to track it on an hourly basis because none of the other tracking systems were working. Yeah, but if you extrapolate like the the last flight path based on running out of gas and etc., you should be able to know where it is. So that probably and means, that's where they've looked on the maps and stuff. But the fact that they can't find it probably indicates that sometime after that, the the path of of flight changed again. Which means that there was someone on the plane that was actively controlling it and changing its flight path. And just throwing it off. Sending a fake one. So that person then was not communicating on purpose. Or because the communication systems was was offline or didn't work. So if they were changing flight path, perhaps, you know, their... um, Somebody hacked it. Or their computer system, like went gobbledygook and they weren't able to figure out where they were going or maybe it's like a what is it flight 97 where like somebody tried taking it over and like the passenger stopped it and it just wound up crashing somewhere instead of winding up you know at at either of its apparent locations yeah that could be true either but it's just what destination what bothers me about that is the fact that this the communication system wouldn't be working anymore because that that system is uh, is has so many different um, uh, what do you call them uh, redundancies? Yeah, and there's a lot of those throughout a plane. Like you can you can take it out in the pilot's cabin, but it should still work in other places in the pilot's cabin. It's made to be that way so that something like that can't happen. You can't just like you know stab it with a knife and and sorry no communication. So then the most obvious explanation would be that 
the people died. Yes. They couldn't talk. Correct. And and I so I'm with you basically. No matter what happened, I think it probably just crashed. But I would like to see something really interesting come of this. I would. Imagine if you will, an announcer you can barely understand. He refers to a but you're not quite sure what he said. He seems to be eating something. Or perhaps he's a little drunk. It's remotely possible that he just said something about the scary girl. Oh boy. <laughs> he might be eating something. Or maybe he's drunk. All right, so you can make up your own decisions on that. We're going to talk about uh, anti-vaccination conspiracies. Um, this is a big movie that's been active for probably the past couple decades. Uh, the belief that an anti-vaccination conspiracy exists requires, first of all, a belief that you know governments, health organizations, doctors, scientists, politicians, pharmaceutical groups, humanitarian groups, all kinds of people around the world are all involved in this giant cover-up, um, which... It's not hard to believe that maybe politicians and pharmaceutical groups could be involved in a cover-up. Sure, and I suppose if that's the case, then maybe like the humanitarian groups don't need to be involved in the cover-up. Yeah. They could just be victims of it. But it's still, it would be almost impossible, if not impossible, to believe that all of these health organizations, governments, scientists, that test things out, make sure they're okay, you know, etc., are, are somehow not reporting the correct information um, or they don't know the correct information, and that the people that do are leading this crazy cover-up. So what are the possible theories that people are, are saying? And and besides that, why are they anti-vaccination? Right? You know, this is interesting. I never really gave this whole idea much credit. You didn't actually look into it? Well, no, because I didn't consider it to be very legitimate, because I trust the scientists and stuff like that. And I, you know, understand how the, the scientists... scientists how the science works on it. That's yeah. all. I'm not like a biologist. I just, you know, I've learned enough about it in school to understand that that's how vaccines work. But anyways, I'm interested, is what I wanted to say, to know, like, where people think that this stuff is, like, actually kind of diabolical. Well, there are a lot of reasons. But the main reason, the big one, that, that most of the anti-vaxxers, as they, as they are called... I'm not sure if they call themselves that or if they were branded that by some kind of organization. It doesn't sound like a name you'd give yourself. I'm an anti-vaxxer. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Probably like a news group or something. Uh, anyway, so they're saying that, that most vaccines or all vaccines or some vaccines contain high doses of mercury and that these levels of mercury and other uh, toxins like mercury are put into vaccines um, maybe not purposefully although some people believe purposefully, to cause diseases and disorders to uh, young children. and um, Like know. specifically the cause of putting that in there is to give diseases to young children. That's a possibility. And other people think that the government already knows about it but won't stop it because they are trying to uh, solve overpopulation and you know, other issues like that. So <laughs> Okay. So the argument that uh, they do contain mercury and that these high levels of mercury build up in the body, um, that is based on something that is true because there is a chemical compound uh, and I don't know how to pronounce this but uh, I think it's uh, probably thimerosal yeah uh, it looks right so it contained mercury and that was included within vaccines forever for a long long time it was removed from almost all vaccines in 1999 so that now, means pretty much all the vaccines you and I got in our life growing up probably had this stuff in it well yes and and you know like there are all kinds of chemical compounds that are given out by doctors 
that are FDA approved that are then found out later to have problems like thalidomide, like uh, some other ones, etc. There's probably still some medicines now that doctors are giving out that we don't know causes something until 20, 30 years from now when we find out the residual yeah. effects. Yeah. Um, so, Watch that it turns out to be like marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> it was removed from almost all vaccines beginning in 1999. Uh, flu vaccines are were the main one that still used it. And I think it's because they couldn't really find um, a suitable alternative that was cheap enough, etc. And what happened was there were a lot of places that still used it. And there were a lot of places that didn't use it. And even today, there are still some places that use this particular compound in their vaccines even though it was removed from almost all of them in 99. Yeah, I would imagine, and this is something that happens in that world, which isn't a conspiracy theory, it's a conspiracy fact, that they'll use, you know, things will be outlawed in certain countries because they're dangerous, and they'll use them in other countries where it's not outlawed yet. Yeah. Um, Regardless, I I think that uh, the point where it's being used nowadays is so far, far removed that the traces of mercury that are in today's vaccines are almost uh, indetectable. Now, it's true that mercury affects kids negatively. Uh, One of the big arguments here, though, is that exposure to mercury in vaccines, just like through this compound and through some other similar ones, causes autism and other long-term effects. So there are a lot of people that think that. But the the reason that, that we're saying... That, that it's not a thing anymore is because they've eliminated the mercury from the vaccines. Sure. For the vast majority of vaccines that are out there. So that being the case, um, having done that in, in 1999, uh, let's say to 2005, 2006, uh, at the end of that period of time, there weren't really any flu vaccines or other vaccines or a very small amount that had that drug in them. Uh-huh. So if there were children that, you know, were still getting autism or other, or other diseases or things like that, uh, conditions at a high rate, it is not because of mercury in vaccines. Because that has been removed as, as a variable. It's a possibility, right. Um, so while people might not necessarily have been wrong about this, the scientific studies have shown that even though they did have mercury in the drugs, the level of mercury that was in there was not enough to actually cause any bodily harm. That is what the scientific community says. Um, your thoughts? It makes you know perfect sense that there's not actually enough in there to really cause harm to most people because they gave it to most people and it still you know it, it affected probably a larger percentage yeah. of the population than it should than they were expecting, but. It was still a very small percentage of the overall. Yeah. So, obviously, we know mercury is very toxic to the human body, and I'm sure it did cause some problems, but maybe, you know, those people were already predisposed to having issues with mercury poisoning and stuff like that. Right. So, those people that are still using this as an excuse, you can stop doing that now. We we have no, uh, you have no ground to walk on, uh, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Uh, now, there are some other things. Uh, I mentioned population control. Um, and, and not only was that something that, that people were talking about uh, via like this, uh, um, I forget what it's called, the uh, thimerosal or however you pronounce that. Someone, someone correct me, please. DavidDrink5.com. Tell me how <laughs> to pronounce that drug because I have no idea. Just learning about it recently. Um, so anyway, sounds right. This com- 
conspiracy to reduce the human population has been around for a long time. It's not only uh, just from these people that are anti-vaccination, but basically uh, one that is common among people that are conspiracy heads, conspiracy nuts. Um, and it, it is funny that a lot of people uh, in the anti-vaccination sort of uh, like group misinterpreted this quote by Bill Gates during a TED Talk a couple years ago, put it up on a lot of their websites, and it was like one of their main talking points. He said, <laughs> if we do a really good job on new vaccines, healthcare, and reproductive health services, we could lower... Uh, we could lower that by perhaps 10 to 15%, referring to the predicted growth in the world's population. Oh. So he he's basically... They made it sound like he wanted to kill people. Well, he, what he wants to do, which is, is tough for a lot of these people anyway, based on the other things that they believe in, you know, demographically, uh, to... Uh, he wanted to limit uh, the world's population because we have to. Right. If we don't, then things will that are going to be much less pretty. Yes. <laughs> uh, but but a lot of people don't understand that. And that's why some of the people that you get believing in this kind of stuff are the same kind of people that believe in, uh, in other things that uh, those that uh, perhaps are deemed more intelligent uh, discount based on their belief in, uh, not belief, but knowledge in science and rational fact. Um, and by that, I mean things like uh, we did not live with the dinosaurs. The world is not 6,000 years Jesus old. Jesus did not ride a T-Rex. Jesus did not ride a T-Rex, exactly. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's going to be tough for some people to understand that, but I'm just saying. The dinosaurs didn't. would have eaten all of the animals on Noah's Ark. <laughs> um, one interesting thing that is not related directly to, um, to anti-vaccinators saying that this is going to cause harm to their children or to themselves but it's very interesting, and you may be interested in this, I'm not sure if you knew about it, uh, was that a lot of people thought that that there were a bunch of fake vaccinations uh, that were that were gathering people's DNA for, for bad reasons. Uh, to Nefarious purposes. <laughs> it, and it's true. Um, it's true that they were doing it? Yes. There was a headline that read, White House admits staging fake vaccination operation to gather DNA from the public. And it's not like the White House said, you know, uh, we took all the DNA from your children. We now have it. We can manufacture them. We can destroy them. Ha, ha, ha. I'm going to make one of your children. What happened, and this is a public operation, is the CIA uh, actually tried to get all the DNA of Osama bin Laden and his family and cohorts by staging like a vaccination operation out there by them. Okay, so... Um, did they give them real vaccinations? What did they actually inject people with? Because <laughs> they knew that it would, you know, just be a very tiny percentage of what they're actually looking for. They did actually give them vaccinations. However, uh, because people found out about it who lived in that area and then became afraid of vaccinations because of that. Well, it, yeah, that's a really fucking. It harmed. It harmed the uh, the vaccination. The doctors efforts. who did that should be ashamed because the Hippocratic O says. At, you know, on the foremost, you do no harm. Maybe they weren't doctors. Drove up polio rates. Uh, a it, doctor had to approve something somewhere. Otherwise, we're the fucking barbarians, too. Well, it looks like that may be the case well, in this small effort. it is the effort. case, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, what, what we ended up doing is making people afraid to go in for vaccinations, which then drove up polio rates in the area. 
which by the way, anti-vaccinators, if polio disappeared or was renamed or vaccines don't work, then why are we still seeing it in the countries where we have problems getting people vaccinated? <laughs> so like Somalia, Syria, Pakistan, Nigeria, Afghanistan, all these areas and many more countries uh, have huge rates of uh, polio and other diseases that the other parts of the country, the other parts of the world don't have that have vaccinations. It's a shame that polio can't be eliminated. There's been a vaccine for it for 60 plus years. Yeah. So uh, there's another, the last you know thing I want to touch on that anti-vaccinators think uh, vaccines don't work. Diseases are disappearing because people have clean water. They have clean food. Uh, they wash their hands. They practice clean living. That's the reason why the diseases aren't uh, here anymore. Now, it is true that washing your hands is important. It is true that uh, clean, <laughs> clean water is important and, to and toilets are important. You know, plumbing is important. However, uh, there's a reason why just after a vaccine was introduced, all of these diseases were, you know, destroyed pretty much. Smallpox, diphtheria, uh, polio, like you said, in the 50s, measles in the 60s, rubella in the 70s. Uh, rotavirus in 2007, uh, there was HIV in the 1990s, there was a lot of stuff, mumps in the 70s, now we get injections for all that stuff, and it's crazy, you know, I remember MMR shots when I was a little kid, and that was 50s, 60s, 70s stuff, my parents lived through that, my dad was born in 1954, when yeah. the measles and, and polio and rubella and mumps were, were well, Polio had just been polio. They had been eliminating. My aunt was born in thirty nine, and she had polio when she was like five or six. And it was like right when they got the cure. And people were still getting diphtheria back then. It's my sister went to Africa and sort of had dysentery. Yeah, well, <laughs> dysentery is not something you can be vaccinated for. It's true, but it's <laughs> yes. one of those old timey diseases like consumption. Yes, consumption. <laughs> uh, great but I remember I got measles, mumps, rubella, the MMR shot. Which if a lot I had, of those are state mandated. If I had been born in the fifties, I could have gotten any one of those diseases and maybe even died from them. But now, because I live when I live and where I live, I am able to to bypass this whole possibility of something bad happening to me due to these conditions, mm -hmm. which is amazing. I it's it's great. <laughs> so the wonders of modern science. Yeah. So we haven't seen scarlet fever go away, West Nile, staph infections, uh, for, for all those anti-vaccinators out there. And I didn't mean to turn this into something that was against a certain group, but you kind of have to when it's you okay look at the facts. It's okay to prove things wrong with facts, Dave. Yeah, but that's not what this podcast is about. However, when you look at it, again, you know, from we a We should distance, be about facts. This particular uh, topic... Uh, leads someone who is intelligent and looks at all the facts to believe that those people that are against vaccinations are only harming, uh, you know, everyone around them and and not helping anyone. Um, and yeah, that's a ridiculous. <laughs> I know that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. <laughs> You're taking a vacation from normalcy. Ooh. The setting, a weird motel where the bed is stained with mystery. And there's also some mystery floating in the pool. Your key card may not open the exercise room because someone smeared mystery on the lock. But it will open the scary Ooh, mystery. <laughs> so there's smeared. one more special treat after all that. All right. 
Um, okay, well, let's look at some conspiracy theories that are actually true. So now that we've gone over the discussion of some of this stuff previously, here is one that's interesting. 1933, bunch of wealthy guys um, that, that allegedly includes the heads of Chase, Goodyear, GM, Standard Oil, DuPont, and uh, Senator Prescott Bush tried to recruit Marine Corps Major General Smedley Butler to lead a military coup against FDR and install a fascist dictatorship in the United States. And, well, based on the title here, <laughs> it actually did work out, and that's what was happening. Well, I mean, they actually did try this. It didn't work out. Well, no, it didn't work out. <laughs> but what happened was... Uh, Smedley, who they were trying to, to, to get to run into their organization, he told a congressional committee, and then everyone he accused of being a conspirator uh, said that, that they weren't. However, uh, it apparently Congress did officially acknowledge that this existed as a thing and that it happened and that this, uh, this general um, you know, went out and, and then exposed these people for what they were trying to do. Uh, which is interesting because I don't believe they came under any real fire other than stop forming fascist groups trying to bring right. down FDR. Now, now, we're not going to put you rich white <laughs> men in jail, but you need to cut this out. The July 20 plot. Instead, you can just create, you know, the leaders of our world, Prescott Bush being the father and grandfather of presidents. Well, fair enough. But, I mean... I, if my grandfather was a murderer, it doesn't make me a bad person. That's true. That said, it's a weird, eerie coincidence. Weird. But if your grandfather like <laughs> helped shape the uh, life track that you took, it may have, it may like make you lean more towards being a murderer. Now you're conspiracy theorizing. <laughs> Near the end of World War II, things were going south for Germany, and the time seemed ripe for guilt-ridden Nazi officers to assassinate Hitler and overthrow his government. <laughs> The plot to take out Hitler was called Operation Valkyrie, based on the belief that no plan can fail if it has a cool name. By the way, I want to I want to give credit to Cracked for this particular list. Fantastic, good writing, good website. Um, in July 1944, uh, what happened was this guy Stauffenberg was planning to kill Hitler at a meeting with a briefcase bomb, but he kept holding off because he also wanted to take out the other two guys that Hitler was always with. So he went for it anyway, and on July 20th, he went for it, and he exploded a bomb. But Hitler survived with only minor injuries. <laughs> and the guy who like did the whole assassination attempt, he fled, and uh, everyone thought that, uh, that their whole life was going to be over. So they just told everyone exactly what had happened and what the plan was. Isn't that interesting? I it, it think it's... Pretty. It's kind of a weird way to end it, I suppose. To end what? To be like, oh, okay, we're just going to go ahead and tell you everything that we meant to do. It's very uh, movie, like, evil bad guy, sort of, I'm going to explain my whole plan to you as it's falling apart. Well, a bunch of people committed suicide, and then uh, one of them turned in the rest to save himself because the like, the people were suspecting. Right. Because you know what happens if a whole group of people like start to get nervous and bite their nails and and not speak correctly to you and you you know when there's some people like the, there's something bad happening or something bad that was happening, uh, and I say that these guys were going to be uh, heroes of their own right for destroying Hitler in their own country, um, 
Perhaps, unless they invent for something Perhaps. worse. They were still Nazis. Well, Nazi <laughs> Nazi wasn't inherently bad. This is this is an organization that was led by someone that puts. I don't know. Somewhere. That's a pretty strong statement, Dave. Okay, <laughs> just because you grow up and belong to something doesn't mean that you are a bad person. Um, I mean, it depends on what that thing stands for. There are plenty of people that were indoctrinated, brought into an organization, came to a realization, and changed their thoughts. That's fine. They left the organization. Yeah. Well, they were trying to destroy the organization. So, I mean, you can't tell me that they were as bad as the people that were in it. They were trying. Were they, to... were they gonna? Were they gonna stop the war and, uh, you know, just be like, all right, we need to free everybody? No, I mean, is that the kind of thing they were, they were just, doing? They were just they were just trying to seize power from Hitler. They were just guilty and and thought that that because the Nazis were like almost losing, that they should just take over. So you're right in that respect that these people were not like they weren't gonna like take over and. Yeah, be like, these, we surrender. Yes, these people weren't like really altruistic people. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Operation Ajax. So, Britain. Uh, Iran, oil fields. Uh, they were trying to make these deals with them. 1951, uh, Iran nationalized the AIOC and Iranian parliament elected Mohammad Mossadegh. I don't know how to pronounce that name. As prime minister... He was uh, someone who was very nationalistic, so he did not give up uh, control of anything to Britain when they were asking for it. And what happened was England went to the U.S. and talked to Dwight D. Eisenhower to overthrow this guy. Yeah, I think it's Mossad. Okay. And together, uh, Britain and the U.S., they, they did all sorts of crazy stuff to, to make it so that they could overthrow this particular uh, ruler of Iran and install someone else that was more uh, helpful for them, let's say. Yes? Well, yeah, a friendly, you know, someone who's going to do what they say. Yes. So... Uh, <laughs> In, until uh, 1979, uh, Iran did end up being someone who was very friendly to uh, both Britain and the United States based on a government that we helped to install uh, after this guy was overthrown. Yeah. And then at that point, there was craziness there. And yeah, we've it had, kind of backfired maybe a We've had bit. problems ever since. You know, it's interesting that you bring <laughs> that one up because I was just listening to a really good uh, podcast. It was a conversation between Dan Carlin and Sam Harris. And they were talking about how uh, a lot of times we may, uh, you know, stick our fingers into something and install something. And then the real bad stuff doesn't happen until 20 years later when the people who started it all and caused it all are no longer in power and no longer around to clean up their problem. Yeah. And it's just kind of an interesting thing that keeps happening where, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, it's just a pattern, I guess, where. You start something and you don't foresee the consequences 20 years down the line. Yeah. But yeah, that definitely is a very real conspiracy theory. 
that I'm sure it would have been really cool to think about that at the time because I don't know that it was like very obvious at the time that that's how it went down. Well, none of these were right, or they wouldn't be conspiracy theories. But you know, because we can look back on them, and because like certain records were allowed, uh, because Freedom of Information Act. And yeah, although that has holes in it too. But but for the most part, like a lot a lot of these secret uh, documents and confidential documents do have to be revealed to the American public. So we learn a lot later. Um, the Tuskegee experiment, are you familiar with that? Oh, yeah. So some people called it the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. The United States, <laughs> that would be more accurate. The United States government was going to monitor the effects of syphilis and perform experiments on those who developed syphilis. I'm seeing a pattern here. The United States may like doing very unethical medical things to test on people. We are the closest to our government. Because we are from the United States. If perhaps we were from Australia or Britain, surely there are seedy stories about their governments. Um, I don't disagree with you, but, but I, I do want to Come caution. on, as Americans, we have the best, the most seedy stories. Well, I don't, I don't know that that's true. In fact, our... We're our, the best, damn it, Dave. Come on. No, our, It's America. Jason, we haven't even been a country Fuck for that yeah. long. I mean, if you, if you want to go for you, seedy stories... You mean you've got to be around for a long time to have some real skeletons in your closet? Well, yes. I mean, in Britain and, and I'm sure in Britain, people they still feel guilty about India. There are way more stories that people could talk about uh, as far as like conspiracies and bad things that the government did to the people. You know what it than took the United to get States. British out of India? The most peaceful man since Jesus and a saint. <laughs> and then Britain finally left him alone. Yeah. <laughs> well, back to the Tuskegee experiment. Uh, basically, what happened was these people that were experimented on weren't even told that they had syphilis. But what happened was in 1932 in Tuskegee, Alabama, there was about like three or four hundred black men that were sort of uh, gathered, and and they were they were given this disease so that they could be studied, the effects of it could be studied, etc. And it didn't even come up like that. It was a thing that happened until 1972, 40 years later. Uh, there was a guy who um, who went to the Center for Disease Control. His name was Peter Buxton, I guess. And when when he asked them about this, they said they would they would end the experiment just as soon as they completed the last stage of the study. This is 40 years after they started it. Oh, Jesus. Because they were still studying the corpses of the subjects. Right. And, of Not course... Not everyone had died yet. Of course, he went to... Uh, he went to the newspapers, etc. This all blew wide open. And there was apparently uh, some kind of a loophole in American law that was allowing for these sorts of things to happen. So there was a National Research Act that was passed in 1974 that stopped uh, people from being able to kill subjects in scientific experiments. <laughs> in what year did we have to pass this? 1974. 1974. 20 years after my dad was born. Mm. Isn't that scary? Oh, boy. Good job, guys. <laughs> We've not been able to kill people for over 40 years now. Yes. Uh, Operation Snow White, 1970s, Church of Scientology. This sounds like uh, it's already out of control. The <laughs> oh, did you ever watch the uh, documentary they put on HBO? Of Going course. Clear? 
Uh, it's I an interesting it to, watch. I recommend yes. it to people out there, although it is mostly just an interview series with a couple of interesting video clips. That's what most documentaries are, dude. Yeah, and I'm not like a huge fan of documentaries in general. I'm a huge am, fan of documentaries, and it was a good one. Well, that's fine. You can well be a together. huge fan of documentaries. I still encourage people to go out and find information about topics and learn about them and, and figure out what is going on with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just... Uh, uh, it's interesting when when you have... Like, that particular documentary was, at the time, like, sort of the inner circle of the guy in charge. And that was basically the whole documentary was them interviewing these, like, three or four people. Right, which, people who had left the church. Which makes sense. However, when you interview people that, that leave an organization, then, of course, they have a negative slant on things, right? Um, of course. I mean, they're going to have... They, they didn't leave because... Nobody leaves Church of Scientology because they're like, oh, it's helped me so much. Thanks, guys. I'll see you later. I'm done now. (laughs) Right. That's not how it works. Yeah. Everyone leaves because they're terrified. So I like it. I I get it. I I think it's a cool documentary. Um, But but again, I encourage people to go out and read stuff. Like some of the coolest stuff that I saw was a long time ago, like in the 90s, etc. When those first like uh, interviews with people that used to be. Uh, Church of the Scientology, Church of Scientology um, members, yeah, came out, and a couple of them actually brought back books with them, etc. People scanned them, put them on the internet. I remember I read one of like the texts of those novels, or not novels, but um, uh, I guess guidelines or, or doctrine or whatever you want to call them. Um, and it was doctrine's just doctrine's pretty accurate, I suppose. It was pretty ridiculous <laughs> what these people are teaching themselves. Um, anyway, so. What happened was um, they wanted to destroy um, every document that made their religion look bad. Um, so what they did was they they went into the United States government, or they already had people in the United States government, whatever, whatever happened that way. A little bit of both. And they took agencies, uh, books, novels, documents... Uh, whatever that they had on the Church of Scientology, and they just destroyed all of them. Okay? And then when everyone realized this happened and it went back to the Church of Scientology, they just said, nope, we didn't do it. <laughs> was me. And still, like, they honestly have not been put up to any kind of negative charges or uh, repercussions based on their actions. They, you know, they basically are able to throw enough lawyers at any situation to win whatever they want, which is interesting because they did that to HBO, and HBO somehow managed to uh, withstand the onslaught. Yeah. Uh, so, like you said, watch watch going clear. It's it's pretty it's pretty interesting, and uh, know that this church is not a church, uh, <laughs> and. And it is a terrible organization. You are slandering, and you will be sued for everything you're worth, sir. Willing to do whatever it is that they need to do to uh, to make sure that you don't know what bad things they've done. Uh, Project MK Ultra. Yes, this is one of my favorite kind of things, and I, I'm a big sci-fi head, right? So I watch lots of hard sci-fi. Um, I, I like shows like Fringe and The X Files. Um, and they bring up stuff like this all the time. And part of the reason why science fiction is so popular is because a lot of it is true. A lot of the things that have happened, will happen, and did happen are actually based on things that are true. Sure. So, you know what MK Ultra is? Yes, I have heard of MK Ultra before. It is the CIA's experiment with LSD. 
Very cool. Uh, yes. And so, uh, what they ended up doing is they ended up uh, like putting a lot of people in, in these like deep immersion chambers and, and rooms by themselves and in rooms with lots of people and and taking these psychoactive drugs like LSD and others um, and trying to figure out if they were able to uh, gain anything from that. Um, and MK Ultra extended beyond that as well. Yeah. It went to like telepathy and telekinetics and other things that that may or may not have gotten any kind of uh, um, you know <laughs> good stuff from having done these uh, experiments. Yeah. However, uh, it's a very real thing, and it's a thing that uh, that now you can you can read a whole lot of. Uh, books about uh, in popular culture. There's a lot of news stories about it. There's a lot of websites that that detail all the things that happened in there. So um, from this particular experiment, this is 1953. So from what we've learned about the United States government, for example, pretty awful, right? Between like 1940 and 1980, it just experiments like craziness, doing whatever they wanted. Yeah. And until like the 70s or 80s, people didn't really seem to have a grip on any of this, didn't really uh, call for them to stop doing well all the things they were doing. I think it was probably much more well hidden, you know, with the advent of uh, news everywhere, you know, more popular television. Well, radio was out at the time, which was easily able to broadcast things everywhere. Well, TV the, was also out in the 60s, you know, 70s, right. and 80s. Once you get to the late 70s, everybody's watching TV all the time. Yeah, so you're right. I mean, they didn't have the internet, obviously. But it was still like a TV where you could only watch what was on at the time. It's not like now where you can just watch whatever you want. I mean, that makes a huge difference right now. But we're not talking about TV. No. I don't need to get sidetracked. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, really interesting, though. And these are all things that, that actually happened, which is the craziest part. These conspiracies that if we were to talk about them back when they were happening... We would have been labeled as crazies, and the <laughs> fact that they actually did happen means that some of the stuff that we do talk about now yeah. could be happening, or is happening. Uh, and I didn't mention all of the modern conspiracies that, that are going on right now. There's a lot more than just that. Uh, some of them are insane. Some of them do make sense. You know, I it, it's all crazy. And you can look up and, and find things for yourself, obviously. Right. But I do want to go into, very quickly, some interesting TV and movie conspiracy theories. Okay, you, you bring it up and I'll tell you if I think it can be true or not. I'm sorry? You bring it up and I tell you if I think it can be true or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course we're going to say that to each other. Okay. You mean you've never heard of any of these before? Mm-mm. I've heard of many of these. I have opinions on most of them. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, let's talk about the James Bond theory. Bond is not just one person. James Bond. Yeah. Is... Oh, you skipped one of the ones I really like, but we can get back to it. Okay. Uh, he is the same person every single time. He is just being either... Um, uh, reformed by uh, by by surgery or he is being reincarnated or by whatever whatever way you think Well, we he all is. know that he's a time lord. <laughs> yes, well perhaps Doctor Who references aside, this is a reference that that could be true 
right? They're, if you look at all the faces, they are not that different. They could definitely be surgical reconstruction, being that James Bond is exactly the same person every single time. <laughs> but, I mean, how would you explain him not aging? I'm sorry? How, how could you explain him not aging? Because he, he would have to get older, right? Yes, I'm not responsible for these theories. You have to tell me whether or not you believe in them. Oh, uh, I, I believe he's more of a time lord than a guy who is having reconstructive facial surgery. That is a fictional thing, so you don't believe it, is what you're saying. It is exactly what I'm saying. Okay, the two Inspector Gadgets theory. I like this theory. So, the first one was dead a long time ago. So, the second one was built with the same dog and the same niece, the same life. The first one comes back from the dead, sees he's been replaced and snaps, and vows to destroy the man who took his place and assumes a new identity as Dr. Claw. Which is why you never see his face in the cartoon. And uh, I never watched this cartoon enough to like know everything about it, but you know, I could see it being true. Uh, and that would be like kind of an interesting that's the sort of thing that I could totally see people uh, thinking about before they start writing it. Like somebody's getting high one night, gonna come up with a kid show, and they're like, "Let's make it a kid show, but we gotta put something cool in it." Well, it's weird. So let's do this. All the kid shows are weird, right? But but this particular one, like you only see the cat, like you only see the hand, the hand petting the cat, right? Yeah, you never actually. There's see also him. theories that it's only a hand petting a cat, <laughs> and, and it's, it's and it's, it's really the cat. the cat. Yeah. Well, that's obviously the cat true. is Doctor Claw because of the name Claw. You're on the internet, you know. I have been there before. Yeah, all of Quentin Tarantino's films take place in the same universe, which is one of my favorite theories. Now, mm-hmm. if you know what happens here, what basically happens is there are some films in this universe that are the extra violent ones, like Kill Bill, etc. Those are supposedly the movies that the people in his other films watch, and you can actually even see movie trailer posters for those movies in the other movies. Right. And so I tend to think that it is a true thing. He is totally, I think this is totally true. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't necessarily agree with uh, with a lot of people's uh, reasoning behind it. Because they're saying that like the, in this alternate reality, like uh, everyone is, is more violent. So they even like greater violent things as their entertainment. Um, but remember, this is all fiction. So it doesn't really matter how you how you rationalize it all that matters is if it's true or not i think from dust till dawn kill bill like they are insane movies that could not be real and so pulp fiction is crazy yeah and so and so basically well but but what what people are saying that are in this theory is that reservoir drugs uh uh true romance pulp fiction those people are going to those see... Those are in the, in the world, and they're seeing those other movies that he made. Yeah, they're seeing Kill Bill, in Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And so I think it's kind of a neat thing. And he put those movie posters in the other movies, so it's it's really difficult for me to say that this one isn't true. Um, yeah. Yeah. I No, I totally... Get the, I totally dig this one. Yeah. And I think it's true. Me too. Okay, Aladdin is set in the future theory. So there is a scene in Aladdin where Genie calls Aladdin's clothes third century. But the Genie uh, was locked inside a lamp for way longer than that. 10,000 years, like they say. Yeah. So there's no way he could have known what third century was like. So that means that Aladdin was in the future. And the stuff that is magic is just technology. And that includes flying carpets and parrots that can talk. 
Now, this sounds like the kind of movie that is exploiting the tiniest plot hole in a child's... The kind of theory that exploits the tiniest plot hole in a child's movie. But I really like this one. And I think that it's true. Okay. It it does feel like some sort of post-apocalyptic world with talking parrots and flying, uh, you know, some sort of magic, flying carpets. I agree. You know, 10,000 years from now, we'll have all kinds of crap like that. And the the genie was so noted by you know uh, um, so many people has also has, the genie knows who Robin Williams is has done a whole bunch of uh, impressions like uh, Jack Nicholson right which would be impossible if uh, if this was something that took place in the past exactly uh, there so is, in order for Aladdin to be true it has to take place uh, you know ten thousand years in the future eight thousand years in the future uh, there is the Rugrats never happen theory. Well, probably ten. The did you Rugrats watch? Never, did you watch? Never Rugrats? really watched Rugrats. I've read this. Uh, I feel like thing. you didn't watch any cartoons. It, I didn't have cable growing up, Dave. <laughs> okay, I had to watch the cartoons that were available to me oh, on free goodness. television. What is that like? It's a lot. You know, it's a lot of Disney movies on tape, and uh, there was some Inspector Gadget. I did get a little bit of that. Okay, but you know, um, okay. Well, I can. I can. Power just... Rangers and. Magic school bus. So Rugrats is is just a bunch of babies that can talk and and have a communication between each other, and they and they live their life uh, like while their parents are taking them different places, right. right? So what what they're saying is that perhaps they're all figments of Angelica's imagination. Angelica is the older uh, child um, that I think she's older than all of the other babies here, um, as a result of her parents' negligence. So they're saying that. Um, that all these kids were never born uh, or were aborted, which is kind of a sad theory. And yeah, it's a really like depressing kind of theory. And I think someone just like came up with a, a certain theory to fit the plot. Well, it's actually really possible because when you watch the show, like they don't really acknowledge the children. The parents don't? Yeah, it's like, did you know that... Uh, that Snuffleupagus... Uh, did you watch Sesame Street? Yes, that was on PBS. Did you know that Snuffleupagus is not actually acknowledged by any other characters on the show? Except by Big it's Bird. Except by Big Bird, okay. So Snuffleupagus... You were about to scare me for a second. Well, Snuffleupagus is essentially Big Bird's like hallucination. And Big no, Bird's imaginary friend. No one else ever... Big Bird is actually a regular-sized bird. <laughs> well, no one ever acknowledges him ex- uh, except for Big Bird. So whatever that means, uh, but it's true, and uh, it's one of those things that those people throw in, just like you said, because it's a children's show to like s- screw with people's heads, and because they're having fun, because they're doing a kids show for a living. Sure. Um, another one of my favorites is the Ferris Bueller Fight Club theory. So Cameron lets Ferris steal his father's car and take the day off as Cameron wanders around the city. All of his interactions with Ferris and Sloan, all the impossible hijinks that played out in his head. Uh, part of the reason why everyone can see all this bit of Chicago in less than one day because Cameron is alone. He's just imagining it all. He is a figment of Cameron's uh, imagination. Ferris Bueller, that is. Right. Um, just like Tyler Durden. So Cameron is just sitting at home imagining all this happening. Cameron does look like a young Ed Norton. <laughs> well, that that doesn't have to. But Matthew Broderick does not look like a young Brad Pitt. Well, they, <laughs> that's not the Fight Club. Uh, I, I know, analogy. I know, but it's. I just was looking at it that way. Have you seen the movie? 
I've seen both movies several times. Okay, but but there is no connection here between Fight Club and Ferris Bueller except for saying that perhaps uh, all of this is a figment of Cameron's imagination. Right. Which is interesting because there is a lot going on there that's almost impossible to believe, you know, going to, like, the Cubs game and, and uh, the parade and, like, uh, all this craziness that happens. It's one of those movies where perhaps, you know, it's all just because he wants to be liked and this is what he's dreaming up in his head. Yeah, I don't believe this one, but I don't believe it because of the way you presented it. There's nothing wrong with that. I think about the authors of this stuff, you know. Um, it was, uh, who, who did um, Ferris Bueller again? Um, but anyways, the guy, Chuck Palahniuk, who wrote Fight Club, is brilliant. Uh, what does that have to do with the possibility that it, Cameron was making it up? Uh, well, my thought Fight is Club that is so different. You can't John really Hughes isn't it. nearly as creative as Chuck Palahniuk, and Fight Club is so much different. In different ways, my friend. Uh, John right. Hughes is, is incredibly famous for for he's being very such famous, a, a creative and interesting writer. Right, but he's not like coming up with things so complicated as like, oh, well, Ferris is a figment of Cameron's imagination. Well, it doesn't seem that complicated that perhaps Cameron was just but a the whole bored story up. was about Ferris. At least Fight Club was about uh, the narrator, the well, you know the main character. Fair enough. I don't I don't technically believe in that one either. Although I think you're you're trying too hard to find a reason that it doesn't uh, have a possibility of existing. Um, Forrest Gump Jr. theory, which is Forrest never had a son, and Jenny just took advantage after learning how rich he became from his shrimp business. That's just a sad way to look at the story. Well, it's a pretty sad story to begin with, so it's not that far of a stretch, right? Yeah, but I don't know. That just makes her a real bitch. <laughs> okay. Uh, the uh, Fresh Prince Will is Dead theory. I think uh, the, the Will actually dies in the basketball court in West Philly, and he never goes to Beverly Hills. The taxi, yeah. the taxi driver is God who drives a cab, takes yeah. Will to heaven, and he works why out all Why does God issues. smell? I'm sorry? Why does, God, why does God's cab smell bad? Is that something that happens in the <laughs> Well, when he gets out of the cab, he's like, oh, man, stinks. <laughs> Waving his hand in front of his face. I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't know. That was one of the shows that was on all the time on free television. Okay. So I watched a lot of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, well, I don't think that one's true either. Uh, the Back to the Future Suicidal I could see that one. I could see the Will, the Will Smith being dead. Doc is suicidal during the scene where they test the time machine. And uh, because of this, he not only drives the DeLorean toward himself, but he grabs onto Marty so he can't run away. Literally, like, that's what happens. He's driving the car towards both of them before it's even been tested as having worked, which is kind of scary. Do you remember that scene where he's, he's driving the DeLorean for the first time as a test run towards them? Yeah, I mean... In the parking lot? And he literally, he, he grabs onto Marty and, like, the, the DeLorean would have hit them and killed them. So, <laughs> that's pretty crazy. He either wants to be right or dead. Well, it's... it's <laughs> yes. That's not very sciencey of him. Yeah, it's I'll just one watch. of those things. Like, maybe they didn't think that people would think about it that way. Right. But when you look at it now and you say, wow, well, he didn't know that it was going to work. And he said that some of his past experiments didn't work. And he just took the remote control and went right at them, even though he knew that it could possibly not work and kill both of them right away. Like, that that's insane. And we know Doc is insane. You can tell by his hair. 
<laughs> it's a dead giveaway. It really is. And, you know, by his performances on Taxi, previous to the Back to the Future. I mean, Oh, he was good on that. He's also insane. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he's ever really had a, a role where he was a, a well-rounded individual. I, th- <laughs> I think that uh, he pretty much lost that. Okay. So uh, so that is uh, TV and movies. And, and there's more. And, and I think that there's so much fun to think about. You know, it's interesting you bring up that those last two in a row. Because they were both directed by the same guy. Spielberg. Robert Zemeckis. Zemeckis. Yes. Oh, you're right. He wrote Back to the Future and he directed Forrest Gump. He also directed Back to the Future. Uh, so I, I think that there's a lot of conspiracy theories for everyone to uh, to go and look at. Um, there's interesting things. Um, you can take them as, as very light if you want to. They don't have to be serious. And then you can think of things that are as serious as they come. Like Obama is a lizard man trying to control your minds. <laughs> you know, uh, or... There's a few that I might take more seriously than that one. Well, th- there's a lot of things that could happen. Anything could happen, technically, but the percentages of them happening and the probability of them being correct are so um, infinitesimal that we might as well just discount those theories outright. What is interesting is the conspiracy theories that a long time ago, when they first were happening, may have been discounted as ridiculous garbage and they have been since proved to be absolutely true. That makes you second-guess anything that happens um, where there is some other kind of alternate um, thing that could have uh, been uh, the reason why something happened. And we talked about the Malaysian flight. We talked about uh, anti-vaccinators. There are a lot of different things that are continuing to happen here in the world that I'm just happy people have multiple opinions on. Now, whether those opinions really matter or not, that's not up to me, you know. Uh, You have to to decide it for yourself. Right. But what's important, I think, is that the fact that people are coming to these uh, different conclusions. Because it's not always the thing that we think it is. Right. It's true. It's a good good way of... uh, Good time to bring that up. So of all the conspiracy theories that, that you've ever heard of, what do you think was the most... I don't know. I want to say the the craziest one. Okay, the craziest one is the one that makes me the most mad. Why does it make you mad? Because it's the people who don't believe in the moon landing. Ah. I, you know, I I believe, I've looked at that one probably more than most. And, you're you know, talking about like shadows on the moon from the flag. Look, you're they went to the about... moon many times. They send stuff to space all the damn time. Like, space travel is a real thing. They can actually get there. It happened. The people who, you know, swear that it didn't happen, like, I don't know. A lot of these things are about nefarious stuff. And it's about, like, oh, this evil thing is going on. Or people are actually doing this for a bad reason. But going to the moon was, like, one of the greatest, like, uniting things that mankind has done in the 20th century. And to just shit on that by... Claiming that it didn't happen is like like that enrages me. So the moon landing is the one that I would put on the top of the list is one that's just the most ridiculous one. To oh, sort we of... do a show on things that enrage you. That would be funny to me. <laughs> You're gonna get mad at me by the end of the episode for laughing every time you get enraged. <laughs> it's like, man, I can't believe it. I'm so enraged. How are you not this mad too? <laughs> but you know, it's the moon landing for me. What what do you feel is kind of the craziest one out there? I'll be honest. There's a lot. 
There's a lot of crazy conspiracy theories. But my favorite is one I just recently learned about, which is that the Denver airport is an evil place where there are things built underneath it, and it's a crazy conspiracy. <laughs> I, I want to fly to Denver and check out the airport now. Well, so do I, because I can't believe some of the paintings in there. They are insane. Can you imagine another place in the United States that would be an airport that has paintings of like people from knives killing like groups of children or like um, like explosions happening in the background where like massive amounts of people run out? Like uh, it's crazy. Why would you ever put those kind of paintings in an airport? Even regardless of any of the other facts about like the over budget, about the the you know reason they didn't they didn't even need an airport like. They t- took up too much land. Regardless of any of that, the paintings themselves are a reason to go there and explore this crazy place. Yeah. But just don't get to the wrong spot in the airport or we may never hear from you We again. may never see you again. <laughs> so thank you all very much for joining the program. I hope you learned a little bit about past uh, conspiracies and some modern ones as well. Um, it is important to continue the dialogue to talk to people who who think that uh you know vaccinations are going to kill their children or or make them malformed it's important to uh to reason with people that think that their leaders are actually reptiles that live under the crust of the earth and have only recently migrated up to take over the hearts and minds of the population of the world you elected them okay it's not like Barack Obama turned into a lizard You're man. You're talking about Obama. After you definitely. elected him, you elected a lizard man. Live with it. I think Jason could be a lizard man. He's defending his lizard man ally. I cannot deny that I'm a lizard man. <laughs> I, I can only change the topic. I cannot confirm or deny <laughs> that I am a reptile. Uh, anyway, uh, please continue to uh, enjoy our podcast on Stitcher, Drink 5 Network, iTunes at Drink 5 Network, uh, Fantasy Football, um, information and news will be forthcoming we'll be back in a couple weeks and uh leading up to the fantasy season we'll have a lot of interesting informative podcasts we'd like you to tune into uh check us out on facebook.com slash drink five network and twitter.com slash drink five and of course drink five.com if you want to reach any of us directly it is jason at drink five.com dave at drink five.com please feel free to, uh, to tell us what conspiracy theories you believe in or don't believe in. But I got to tell you. how crazy we are for the ones we believe in. I got to tell you, for the most part, uh, I think there's probably a, there's probably a one in two chance that, that it's incorrect. <laughs> All right, Dave. We'll drink five. I'm Slim Shady. Yes. I'm the real Shady. All you other Slim Shady. Slim Shady. Just imitating. <laughs> so, won't the real Slim Shady please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand, please stand up. up. Please stand up.